0: Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Eyer. And hello, we are Ayers on the Road, Richard and Linda Eyer. We are happy to be back again today, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about.
1: We appreciate everyone. We appreciate all of you who tune in every week. It's always neat to meet someone who says, hey, I listen to your podcast every week, and we say, no, you don't, no one does that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's always kind of delightful to know that there's somebody out there, because it is really like just talking to a machine here, but we know that you're there because once in a while people tell us that you are, so thank you for listening in.
1: We're talking from our home in Park City today, and we're, like many of you, watching, watching, watching election returns, and... Since we've been on this theme for the last several weeks of stories, different kinds of stories, it occurred to us that we have got a lot of election stories up our sleeve. (laughs) And We we thought we'd share some with you today. And this may even take two weeks. We may continue over to the next podcast because we've had a lot to do with politics over the years. And before you get turned off by that, let us say that our whole paradigm or our whole perspective on politics has always been, how can we help the family? How do we enshrine the family more? How do we how can public life and politics and government actually do more for the family? And another way of saying that, Linda, is we just have this deep-seated belief, almost to the point of an obsession, that the family is the basic unit of society, not only of society, but of our economy, of our culture, um, of really everything. And we feel that when larger institutions, larger than the family, uh, forget that the most basic unit is the family. Things tend to go awry. And we feel like there's a lot of danger in that right now. We live in a time when, we call it the cult of the individual. Everyone is so worried about individual rights and individual freedom and individual, um, uh, ability to, to be unique and so on. And that's all good to an extent, but when, when you begin thinking the individual is the basic unit of society, things kind of go off the rails because an individual is thinking about himself And we have a cult, when we say the cult of the individual, it's people who don't want to make commitments, don't want to get married, don't want to have children, don't want to do anything to limit their own options. And that's kind of dangerous, we think.
0: It is. Um, We've advocated for many years. It would be wonderful that all the legislation that goes through the states as well as the government have some kind of attachment that has a family impact statement on it so that we see how this is going to affect families. I don't know if that'll ever really happen, but it would be wonderful if we could raise the awareness and think this is how it's going to affect our families.
1: I'm glad you thought about that, Linda, because some countries actually have that. In Australia, for example, there is a law that each bill that is passed in the Congress has to have attached to it a family impact statement. How will this bill, if it becomes a law impact families? And that's a pretty healthy thing because the way we look at it is the individual is too small and too self-centered to be the basic unit of society and the community or the neighborhood or the government or the local government or the state government or the federal government is too big an entity to be the basic unit. We have to focus, on the fulcrum, on the thing that really makes a difference and that's the family. But we're not we're not here to preach today. We're here to tell some stories about elections that might illustrate some of those points.
0: Well you should know before we start that this is Richard's total focus. Coming out of the Harvard Business School, he went to work for a consulting company in Washington DC and ran so many campaigns. In fact I think you had a lot of fun doing that in those days.
1: Oh, that was a, that was a neat time of life, but in some ways a time we're glad we're not in anymore, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll let's go back even further. Now that we've given a little introduction, we're going to tell some election stories and we're going to try to draw some lessons from them that that are pertinent to families because that's what Irs on the Road is all about, of course, as all of you know. Let's go way let, let's just for fun and and like Linda says you have never been a politician i've kind of always been one i'm kind of trying to get over it and i'm so <laughs> and, glad and you're kind of helping <laughs> me get over it but but to your credit linda you've always you haven't been a politico or worked in politics like i have but you've always been extremely interested and tuned in to what's going on which i think is what everyone should strive to be because it's important.
0: Well, you know? I think everybody in the entire world is tuned in right now because we're at a moment in time in history that will be different tomorrow yeah. and was different yesterday. Um, it's, the course, of the 2020 election between Donald Trump and Joe and Biden. It, and it's still
1: wow. not completely still decided not as, as we this, record yeah. today. But again, I want to say on that, Linda, you know, there's so many people who say this is the darkest time in American political history. We're more divided than we've ever been before. And there's some truth in those things and we're all concerned about them. But I want to say that I hats off to Americans Over 160 million people voted, more than any other time in the history of this nation. It is
0: amazing. So
1: hats off to people for being involved, even if it's sometimes in an acrimonious way or ways we wish it wasn't.
0: And you know, I've thought, because this has gone on for days now that we just don't know, returns are still coming in, still coming in from uh, army bases and all all over the world. Uh, People are saying, what is going, why in the world can't they count these faster? Yeah. Isn't that a great, a great uh, problem that to have? Yeah, it exactly. is so great because we are, we are speaking. You know, the people are speaking. It is really great. The
1: election system is one of the great gifts of our American democracy. The founding fathers, brilliant and foresightful in so many ways, set up a democracy that works. It's a republic. It's not a pure democracy. We elect those who represent us and. And the election system, some think it's antiquated with an electoral college and so on. But the point is, it works better than any democracy that's ever lived. So, and and even on the division, Linda, you know, I I bemoan how divided our country has become, and we'll talk more about that in some of these stories. But that's not the. It's nothing new. I mean, I some of the stories we're going to tell you came from 1968, when my first. 4 a and that's a long time ago into national politics and, Whoa, and, how old and boy, are you? boy was that ever divided <laughs> boy was that ever a time for riots in the streets and we'll get to some of that but do you care if we just interject a little humor and go all the way back my first engagement in politics or elections was a student buddy office in logan high school in logan utah I had a great friend named Curtis, who was my campaign manager. (laughs) He he put up a huge rocket ship made of a huge cardboard tube. It was about 60 or 70 feet high, and it said, fly higher with ire. (laughs) But we didn't think we were winning. We were running against a really strong candidate, and then something really crazy happened. The day before the vote, that rocket caught on fire. (laughs) <laughs> and it burned to the ground, and it almost caught the school on fire. And the police, <laughs> uh, the fire department was there, and, and long story short, I, I won the election, I think, on the yep. on the sympathy of vote. Of course,
0: because people, people thought so sorry. Oh, somebody burned
1: that. Richard's rocket, down. we better vote for him. Well, it wasn't till years afterward, I mean years, <laughs> that Curtis came to me and said, do you want to know who burned your rocket down? I said, yes. He said, I did. I was afraid you were going to lose, and I I lit it on fire at night because I thought it would draw attention. Oh, these campaign managers. Oh, man, what they won't do. And he's still our friend, that Curtis. He's great. We sometimes call him Crazy Curtis.
0: Yeah, he is a little crazy, but uh, fun story.
1: But then, I mean, just to lead you in to these political stories you want to tell for the purpose of talking more about families, um, I ran for student body president in college at Utah State and thought I'd win. I mean, I was a little too confident, I think, in those days. I'm not now, <laughs> but uh, i would I was the LDS Student Association president the year before, and I thought, well, that'll be enough i I'll, I'll have." I'll have the LDS vote. I'll win. Well, I didn't win, and and that was kind of a crushing defeat for me. But here's what happened. It was interesting. That you know the old saying: one door closes, another one opens. I had an opportunity to go and meet George Romney, the governor of Michigan, and I and I and he was running for president. Some of you remember that. This is Mitt Romney's father. And I was a young student, and through a process I won't try to explain, I somehow went to work for the Romney presidential campaign as the national student coordinator, and I spent one of the most interesting few months of my life traveling around the country organizing college campuses for Romney. We had hats and banners and students for Romney, and it was just super fun. While
0: going to school your senior year, and yeah. getting straight A's. I don't know how you pulled that off. Well, because I was in political science. Well, that was <laughs> that helpful, was
1: my yeah. And, I, and it was pretty interesting. And um, you, by that time, Linda and I were a thing.
0: <laughs> That's true. I had your picture posted on the top of the bunk bed above me. I mean, you know, underneath, oh. <laughs> underneath the bunk
1: bed. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that, but... George, and and that was just, I mean, again, not to bore you with details, but George, the reason I love George Romney so much is he was such a family-centered guy. He was he, he was just a tremendous well, just a guy. guy. He was my, he became maybe one of the two or three real mentors I had during well, my life. Well, almost a
0: surrogate father, because you lost your father when you were 15, and yeah. he was so helpful. It was great.
1: But... His campaign started to lose momentum in New Hampshire. I I went to New Hampshire. It was decided that everyone that worked for Romney had to go to New Hampshire, and we disbanded the students for Romney. And I went there along with a lot of other people, some of whom are still our great friends, Hedley and Byington and other people, but... But we ended up being there. I was there for several months in the winter, a I, tough winter in New Hampshire. I was not
0: there, you remember?
1: No, we, you, were not we were not married yet. But we were writing to each other. And George kept losing momentum. And I even remember, this will interest some of you listeners, I went into Boston from New Hampshire, and, and Boyd K. Packer was the mission president there that'll be a name meaningful to many of you and i sat down uh, by the fireplace with him and had a crazy proposal could we go get 300 returned missionaries from our church put them on a charter plane bring them into new hampshire and have them canvass the whole state for romney and see if we could pull this out <laughs> and i remember he looked that sounds at me like you. <laughs> he looked at me and sort of shook his head <laughs>
0: Like, you are a crazy man.
1: But then, after Romney withdrew, several of us in his campaign went over to work for Nelson Rockefeller, the governor of New York, who sort of took over as the moderate alternative to Richard Nixon, who was threatening to get the nomination. This is 1968. And um, we should probably... um, continue this story because it gets to some really interesting family stuff, but and it gets kind of personal, because I was trying to persuade Linda to come and join me in Miami where the National Convention was. And, and
0: I was at the Hill Camorra with my mother <laughs> <laughs> in the play, and I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> I am not coming there. No.
1: <laughs> I did everything I could. I thought, you know, we were staying at the Phantom Blue Hotel. We were running this convention for rockefeller budgets were not a problem for nelson rockefeller and i wanted linda to come down and be part of it and we'll continue that story in just a minute
0: it's a great one hang on we'll be right back welcome back to Iyer's on the road here's richard and linda Eyer.
1: And we're back. Ayers on the road. Richard and Linda Ayers. Hope you're enjoying some political stories today. Not they're not political. They're election, election stories.
0: stories. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've had a lot of them.
1: So anyway, I was there, and I was a young guy, a college student, working for now Nelson Rockefeller, trying to win the convention from Richard Nixon. And we were in Miami and having a great time. And Linda was at the Camorra pageant. I was saying, "Come on down, Linda. We'll just have such a good time in Miami." Yeah.
0: Wow. Those were the days. Living on a credit card, somebody else's
1: credit card. <laughs> but you said no. It was one of the, one of a sequence of times I asked you things where you said no. <laughs> right. Oh man. You picked your mom over me. How yeah. about that? <laughs> Anyway, uh, (laughs) moving on, moving on, um, that, that Nixon, of course, won that nomination. And we felt like we could have saved America from some dark days if Rockefeller had won. But again, the point was, I felt in my young idealistic self that we needed to help families more. We needed to do things like and the marriage tax, where people are taxed more as a couple than they would be if they were individually. I felt like we had to give a higher deduction to people on their taxes for children because of how expensive it is. That we well, and were,
0: reward them for having families instead of punish them yeah. you know, by, getting, by taxing them higher. There are a lot of things in your mind, even then, but going on.
1: Well, then what happened is that um, we we i finally got linda to say yes <laughs> maybe it was my politics that finally helped me maybe yeah, i no, somehow sure, got yeah. you to say yes and so <laughs> we got married and we headed off to boston for graduate school our honeymoon was the drive across the country and um i thought well we're kind of done with politics but that wasn't the case in fact we kind of put ourselves, Linda worked as a music teacher and I worked for a polling company of all things, a political polling company in Boston and helped get us through school. And then when it came time to go out into the world, it was a good economy and we had lots of offers and we ended up deciding to form our own company with two partners who I had met in the Rockefeller and Romney campaign. Doug Bailey and John Deardorff, great, great friends for life. And we started a political consulting company called Bailey, Deardorff, and Iyer. We started in Washington, D.C. Linda loved Washington, D.C.
0: I was, did love it. I loved Washington, D.C., it's a great place to live. But um, you were traveling a lot. Uh, in those next few that years. started wearing
1: on our family. Yeah,
0: we ended up with three little kids and uh, just absolutely, you were gone f- four days every week.
1: We didn't end up with three, but we got started with three.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, that's true. <laughs> we did. But it was really hard. Uh, but you were having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I was having fun too, but it was so hard with three little kids under four or something like that. Well, So um, it was a wonderful time though. I loved that.
1: And speaking of again of, of of election stories and of families, we we had the honor. I mean, we it was the, the kind of political consulting we were doing was fairly new, and we had the honor to work for a lot of really moderate Republicans. Today, I don't know that they exist quite like they did then. They no, were so they divided don't. now, with a far far right and far left. But I'm talking about, and, and of course, Romney and Rockefeller were that kind of moderates. And we worked for Percy in Illinois and Senator Brooke in Massachusetts and Senator Matthias in Maryland. And they were people who really were compromisers, but in the positive sense. They could get things done because they could pull people together. And I think they were really family oriented people.
0: Those were the golden days of politics. They were the
1: golden days. And even some little, and those were the days when politics was fun. Like, you know, we, we would always, one thing we'd always do in every campaign we managed or planned was to, to create a song for the I campaign. Was just singing the same a thing. A jingle. A jingle. Yeah. And
0: so we, they would go to this, and we had these things going we, through our minds. as we We'd go in the recording sessions. sessions. Oh, it was so fun. There was
1: a guy, a guy named Bill Weeks, who was running for Congress in Massachusetts. I still remember his song. We had the, we'd go into New York and we'd have these, these, people who wrote jingles as as a profession, and we'd tell them what we wanted to say, and I still remember that one. Uh, there was a background of all the little towns in, in, Mass- Are in you Cape gonna Cod, spew out all like Chattaqua and all these sort of Indian names towns that I was going on as a chant in the background, and then the over song said, Bill Weeks cherishes all these towns. As his neighbors do, and it was <laughs> oh, so corny, so corny. That. But it, but it was fun. I mean, politics was positive. There, there were yeah. no negative ads. In fact, the traditional wisdom was, if you do an ad tearing down your opponent, you're you're branded as an as a bad guy. Yeah, you, you, right. you're not going to get elected. You know,
0: <laughs> that was fun, and <clears throat> those were the days.
1: Those were the days, and then moving right along something really interesting happened. We were living there in Washington, of course, and loving it. And that's where two of our children were born. And we, we just loved McLean, Virginia, where we live. But there was a Senate campaign starting in Utah and there was going to be an empty there, no, not an empty seat because uh, Frank Moss was the Democrat Senator, but there was a moment when we thought Neil Maxwell, Neil A. Maxwell, not yet an apostle in the LDS church, but the commissioner of church education, the commissioner of Utah education. And we, I admired him. He'd, he'd been in politics. He'd been in Washington. I just admired him so much. And, and I started writing a campaign, a campaign plan for Neil Maxwell. And it looked like he was going to run for the Senate. Well,
0: was this before or after Jake?
1: No, this is before.
0: Before, oh. Yeah,
1: and my interest in coming back to Utah was I thought Neil, I thought Neil Maxwell would be one of the great senators of all time. He was an orator. And
0: he would have he been, He was a yeah.
1: speaker. He was a powerful member of our church. And I did everything I could to persuade him to run, and he came close. I know he did, but I think some of the brethren in our church suggested that maybe God on high had other plans for him, (laughs) which turned out to be the case. But the point is by then I'd done a lot of thinking and writing, could this campaign be won? Uh, Wayne Owens, a young Congressman was going to run. The seat was vacant. And, um, I just, and, and, you know, I just thought the Republicans could win. Then a Salt Lake guy, a mayor of Salt Lake, Jake Garn, got in touch with me one night and said i know you've been working with neil maxwell who's now decided not to run i'd like to see if you'd like to plan my campaign i didn't even know him remember we didn't even know who he was yeah we went out to meet with him and and i liked him instantly and i thought this was in the watergate era everyone was upset with politicians yes and and here was jake who just was not a politician looking guy (laughs) He was just a guy-next-door-looking guy. Bald, yeah.
0: That was what we did on the, the big posters everywhere and the um, advertising and so on, and just add a little humor. He was a great guy and also bald.
1: I'm glad you remembered that. We had this one billboard with all the adjectives that described Jake. Trustworthy, loyal, honest, and then right in the middle it just said bald. <laughs> and I think people just liked it. And and the first poll Owens was ahead by 30%, the Democrat candidate. We kept chipping away, chipping away and Jake won the election. So, and then Jake was a family guy and and it helped. I think he yeah, carried we, our we goals. Yeah, we became
0: great friends. He had a wonderful family.
1: And so that was quite a story. Um. And we were really bit by the political bug. I have to admit, we were, we were thinking, let's run ourselves. And I I was kind of dragging you along, kicking and screaming, but we thought (laughs) there's a a congressional race just two years after Jake won. I got probably more credit than I should have for Jake getting elected. And I thought I could get the nomination to run for Congress. We were discussing it, how would it affect our family? You know, by then we had,
0: we had all our children by then. No,
1: no, 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 This is before the mission, this is, we had four. We just had, I'm talking about the congressional thing right after Jake got Oh, congressional, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we thought, Oh yeah. I, do you, would you say we had pretty well decided to go for it? Yeah. And and we were, it was November of the year before the election, and we'd thought, can we do this without undermining our family and so on? and. We thought we could, we,
0: and we did. We said, "Okay, let's just do this."
1: And then, uh, I think it was divine intervention. Yeah, for sure. We got called. We got a call one day from um, my secretary. Said, "There's a Mr. Tanner calling," and I said, "What? What, Mr. Tanner?" And she said, "I don't know." So I picked up the phone, and, and another secretary on his end said. Um, uh, Nathan Eldon Tanner wants to speak to you. Well, he was, for those of you who are too young to remember or not connected at all, the LDS church. He was the first counselor in the first presidency of the LDS church. And um, he said, could you and your wife come in and talk to me for a little while tomorrow afternoon? And I'm like, well, of course. And I'm like, hung up the phone and thought, what on earth?
0: Panic, 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 what is that?
1: We thought maybe we were working with the Bicentennial, remember it was the church's oh, yeah, involvement right. in the Bicentennial. That's, right. that's a story. But we went in, and what happened?
0: Um, <laughs> they, he said to us, what would happen if you were called to be a mission president? What would happen to your business? And Richard said, well, it would just fall apart. <laughs>
1: it's, uh, I it's a consulting company, and I'm the principal. It would fall apart.
0: <laughs> he said, okay, would you like to go on a mission? That would be great.
1: <laughs> he just marked a little thing on his okay. paper and didn't even hesitate. <laughs> Called us to be mission presidents.
0: In London. in London. And we didn't know it was London at the time, of course. There's another whole story, backstory on that. But... Um, wow. That would, that changed our lives forever. That Uh, was fantastic. Honestly,
1: I kind of joke about it, Linda, but I really do think that that was divine. I, you know, people said how, why were you called as a mission president when you were so young and when Linda was so young and the best answer, I think I really do. I think that saved us from making a huge mistake. I think if I had run for Congress, it turns out I probably would have won because the Democrat candidate that year had some issues and and was actually arrested. And so the guy who did run as a Republican won. So I think I probably would have been, I mean, who knows? Well, I don't know. But, but, but the point is I would have been, I was really, I, I knew a lot about politics, but I didn't have much of an ideology. I think I would have been a Well, to
0: put things in perspective, you were thirty and I was twenty-eight at that time. So, we we were pretty young with four little kids, and um, it was an amazing, amazing experience. So we don't regret that a bit.
1: Oh, it was powerful. My old partner called me from political consulting days, John Deardorff, and said, wow, the way things turned out in Utah, you probably could have won. Do you feel bad? I said, if you knew what we're doing now, John, with these missionaries and this church service, I would so much rather do this than than that. Well, we're just getting into these stories. We're going to continue this next time because we've got some election stories about Margaret Thatcher in England, where we were, and about Ronald Reagan when we came home, and finally about our own run for governor. And what we're going to try to weave through all these is why is politics, why are elections important when it comes to family? And we're going to talk a little about how our campaign for governor, while it was unsuccessful, turned out to be an awesome experience for our family. Let's end on that, Linda, our kids. In and that campaign. Ball.
0: and we'll talk more about that next week but um, in the end we really are all about family we hope he'll join us again to hear the rest of the stories because this is kind of fun for us
1: to and hear. it's an election time of year and we're going to we'll cast it in a year. positive absolutely. light
0: absolutely, <laughs> next week we'll know more join us again next time on Irons on the Road, thanks
1: bye bye